This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, brand new edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is back. My name is Brian Robb, joined today by the one and only Ryan Berndoni, at Danger Cart on Twitter. Make sure you're following him there. And guess what? We're only 24 hours into NBA free agency, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Malcolm Brogdon, biggest move of the day. Celtics trading for him, giving up Daniel Tice, Aaron Neesmith, and a future protected first-round pick to to bring in the Pacers guard, along with some other guys as salary filler that we don't really have to mention here. Danilo Gallinari also will be joining the Celtics after he clears waivers later this week, signing for the full taxpayer mid-level. Ryan, Celtics are very busy here, out of the gate, creating what I think arguably is the deepest team in the NBA, at least on paper right now, at least in the Eastern Conference. Initial impressions of these moves. Let's start with Rodden. Certainly uh, interesting moves. It's not, I don't think, unexpected that they would make moves like this, but it is interesting that everybody put out their, you know, TPE targets and MLE targets, including me. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. And like, then they got guys who weren't on any of those lists because, you know, Brogdon was bigger than the TPE, but is functionally the trade that they made that, that people were looking for in, into that TPE slot. And then Gallinari was, had you know, a partial guarantee, but was under contract and nobody was exactly sure where that was going to go. Right. Um, and then he gets traded and then waived and now he's on the market. And so sort of two guys who would have made sense under the context of like knowing their availability, um, I think would have been natural targets for the team. Uh, but we just, you know, a lot of stuff has changed, not just for the Celtics, but across the entire league in the past 24 or 36 hours. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Brogdon, I, I think you look at both of them and say like, we came into the off season saying that their number one priority would be a wing. And then they added a power forward and a guard. And so from that perspective, it's like, you know, again, a little bit surprising, uh, but it's very difficult to complain about like, right. Brogdon, <laughs> the, the question with Brogdon is health. The question with Gallinari is age. And were this not a title team, you might look at them both and say, like, I don't love that contract, whatever it is. But, like, when you're a title team, those things no longer matter, right? Like, whether or not it's a positive value or negative value contract is, like, is this a player who can help us win the title or not is all that matters at that point. You know, especially if ownership greenlights a budget that you can fit them into, which they, they very clearly have done in this case. So I think Brogdon is a player who... Like legitimately, you could look at him and say, like, if they had a healthy Malcolm Brogdon in the NBA Finals, they might be the, the champions right now, right? Like, he's a player Question. who would have solved a lot of the problems that they had when they got to that that final stage. And so, again, you look at it and you say, like, health is but the concern. He's probably going to miss some games here along the way. You hope that the regular season games and that you get him healthy for the playoffs along with the rest of your team. And then, like you said, you have a very deep team. So instead of running kind of seven deep here, you you have maybe eight eight and a half who can even play like at the very highest level at the end of something like a conference finals or a finals. And they just were missing that one more piece that fit in, in the right way uh, at, at the very end. And, and, you know, again, well done to go out and target these players and to be able to close the deal on, on them uh, in at a time when there's just a lot of crazy things happening across the league, the, particularly the Brogdon one seemed to kind of come out of left field. Uh, I don't think people thought that Brogdon was untouchable, untouchable by any means. But again, because he didn't fit in the TPE, like it wasn't a player who we were all looking at. I don't think there was a lot of talk about about where exactly like an expectation that he would move. 
so, but that, that happens a lot across the NBA, obviously, like a lot of stuff happens. The, the stuff you hear about is often not the things that happen, uh, that actually happen. So seems yeah, like- I, you know, I think to your point on that, it's like with Brogdon, I don't think anyone thought the price would be this low to get him from a standpoint of, okay. I mean, the Pacers are obviously entering a rebuild. So they're, I mean, I'm sure Miles Turner is going to be the next guy out the door there and, and they're looking to clear cap money and get some young guys, get some picks, et cetera. But if I would have laughed at you, if you said, Oh yeah, the Celtics can get Brogdon for, for Tice Neesmith and a, in a protected 2023 first round pick, like I'd be like, no, of course the, the Pacers can do better than that um, on the open market. And I guess obviously they, they couldn't, <laughs> if this is the deal they took and maybe they were much more motivated to either clear the future cap space or they just didn't like to, you know, I'm sure there are other offers there, but they didn't want to take the money um, that other teams were, were offering to, to take a deal like that. And Brogdon, you know, they're, they're selling low on him, obviously given his, his injury woes last year, but from talking to people behind the scenes, the Celtics, you know, aren't too concerned. I mean, obviously he has durability issues is his main concern of him in general as a player, but they're not, don't have any long-term concerns in terms of what kept him out for half the season this year or more than half the season. So I guess, Ryan, is it, do you feel like this is just, you know, few teams in a league are in a position to take a, you know, a, what may be a pricier play right now in Brogdon and the Celtics had the first round pick. So they outbid all the suitors, even though it's probably going to end up in the, the 25 to 30 range. It's very weird market right now, right? Like you have, seemingly player uh, teams that are taking like huge swings and just giving away their entire draft you know, their <laughs> like, future. And then you have players who are moving around for prices that don't always seem to make sense. There's some stuff that's going on in the sort of MLE market that you're looking at. You're like, how are these two players? Like how is Kyle Anderson less right. than the full MLE, but Lou Dort is 17 and a half million dollars. And like, I know that Lou, not to pick on Lou Dort, like good for him getting all that money, but like there are certain things that are, that happen with, like just leverage and circumstance and position that you're playing and the contract that you're on or the contract that you're coming off of that just impacts so many things. And you look at it and you're like, it, it's not entirely impossible that they would have, that the Celtics would have at some point given the, their first round pick or at least swapped it for seconds or something like that, just to get off Tice. Right. right? Like we, we've seen that where that like, that's what happened with Dennis Cantor, right? They, they've had to do that in the past and Tice has 18 something million dollars left. Um, you know, guaranteed over the next two years, he's a backup center who couldn't play in the playoffs and blah, 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 blah. Not again, not to knock him. Like um, he's an NBA player, but it, we've talked about it before about the, the price for paying a, basically a third string or a third big uh, or fourth big with, you know, with uh, Grant Williams. So you could see that that could have been like literally the price to just move Tice. And so you end up getting Brogdon for basically nothing, which what that would indicate is that he is viewed as a neutral or negative value contract. Um, across the league by the Pacers. And again, but like for a team in the situation of the Celtics, that no longer matters. Those things like this is a negative value contract. We don't want to have it matters when you're trying to build up to a certain level. Once you hit a level, it's like all of, so I don't know if you're like when, when I was still writing for Celtics hub, like I wrote a thing about like rules for responsible team building. And the, the first thing it says in it is like, these are rules for teams that are trying to build up to a point. Once you get to a point, you throw out basically all these rules. And so things like you don't really want to give a second year player option to someone like Gallinari, like you don't, I still don't love it, but like, I don't really care when you're going for a title. I don't really care if Malcolm Brogdon is overpaid by 30% or like, I just, it doesn't matter. He's a player who can help you win a title at that point. Like that's the only thing that matters. So you're not trying to build up. 
And so to get him for functionally like free, uh, and then you look at DeJounte Murray costs three unprotected first round picks. If you count the swap plus another pick and you've got Rudy Gobert costs five players and five picks. <laughs> I cannot believe picks. that. I mean, the, I cannot the, believe that we were, we won't talk about that, but that, that, that package me is beyond wild. So, but that's my point is like the, I think the Murray one, like DeJounte Murray is a, is a better player and a better prospect than Brogdon in large part because Brogdon is 30 years old and has a big injury history and, and all that. But like Brogdon is average, like, 18 points a game in multiple seasons and he's a Bro, good he could be a better player than murray next year that would yeah, not be a shock in in a given season he he could be i think the you know the situations that they'll be playing in means that murray's going to put up bigger stats obviously yeah. and, and things like that but like it's not wild that you would get to a playoff series and like those two players would be basically even um you know and and for one of them to go for a huge haul with two years left on his contract and then brogdon to be basically free with three years left on his contract, it like it just doesn't always make sense. The the market isn't this like perfect market of these players come on to something. It's it's all about circumstance and who's trading and who's trying to achieve what things and the optics of certain players and all that comes into it so heavily. And it really feels like they got, you know, listen, Brogdon's not all NBA, he's not gonna be an all-star, he's but like a really good, useful player who fills a lot of their needs for functionally nothing. Um and other than money, right? Ownership money, though, not even like important cap no. calculation money, literally just like ownership will have to pay a large tax bill, which they said this year that they would do and seem to actually be really true coming in. And now, you know, you put your money where your mouth is like they are going to have to pay out a pretty big tax bill, you know, a big, a big tax bill for them. But good, that's the point that like you own an NBA team, like, if not now, when? Um, and it just, it seems like it's just like, oh yeah, they got a really good player who fits fits needs for again, like basically free. It's it's a situation. It's like the kind of deal you would see, like you to your point, um, in terms of team building. Like you don't want to, you don't see this kind of deal for when you're building up. But it's the the, the deal kind of around the league where you deal with like a Cavs or you know in the past decade or other just contending teams where you're like. Wait, how did they get that for just a first round pick? Oh, they just had movable salary and they were in a position to, to pay more and that's all it took. And now the Celtics are clearly that team in this instance. And Brogdon, I mean, he is he was always a complete nightmare when he was playing Milwaukee, you know, in Milwaukee against the Celtics would just be um whether it's even with the Pacers last year, like when he was healthy, he was like a complete menace in some of those games. And it's just to have him, you know, coming off your bench is just such a, a lethal weapon with, you know, with the fact that he's already, you know, the buy-in obviously is, is there from him, clearly there from Gallinari with him taking less money to come to Boston in the first place. And so, I mean, we, we don't know if this is the final shoot to drop on this offseason. They, they clearly have to fill out the rest of the roster. We don't know if there will be a, you know, consolidation trade at some point, but they could really easily going into the season with this is being their top 10, which is, I think could be the best top 10 rotation in the league period. I don't know if that's going to good enough to win you a title, but it's certainly good enough to get you back to the top of the list of contenders. Yeah. I mean, so I think we saw in the playoffs, like Derek white is a very good player. I don't think Derek white is a worse player, particularly than, than Malcolm Brogdon. They're, they're different players, but I think Derek white is a very good winning player. Um, and we, we saw, with him coming up the bench, there were times in the playoffs where the ball came to him and teams were not defending him. 
um, and he was a little bit unwilling to shoot. He went through periods where he was very hot. And you now just have another player who's like, teams have to guard him, right? Like this is a really yeah. good shooter, particularly off the catch. He's a like career 40%. He's played in decently big games in the past where, you know, not with the pacer so much, but like he's been in some moments before teams have to guard him. He's six, five. Would it be nice if they picked up a six, eight, three and D whatever? Oh yes. Wonderful. That would be great. <laughs> Those players are not available. So we talk about who of that are you going to get? And it's like, would you rather, be betting on Malcolm Brogdon or TJ Warren. It's like, well, we know Warren's not going to be playing. We may have questions about Brogdon's health, but you know, the, the sort of players who are available to you aren't always going to be exactly perfect. So are there things that you could nitpick about like, well, they're still missing whatever skill or something like that. You can Brogdon isn't as probably as good of a defender as his reputation is, which is why I say that white is, I think, you know, sort of a, similar level player but like you just being able to go to your bench and having like four guys who could start on a lot of teams around the league is is just a thing that we didn't have at the end when we needed it and now we do their bench ryan could be better than like five or ten starting laps in the in the the league this year i mean brogdon was like the number one option for for the pacers when like sabonis wasn't on the floor right like for two years he was their number one scoring option in, in those circumstances. And he's like, he's not going to start. Um, he's legitimately going to be, be coming off, you know, coming off the bench, but he's not like an instant offense only score undermines other things. He's not like that kind of microwave score. He's like, Oh no, he can do these things, but he does it while fitting in. And he's a you know good defender with size. There's just like, it's another one of the players you're like, Oh, well that player doesn't have any, like, like I said, there are certain skills on the team, certain position sizes. I think you can complain about things for every single team in the league. There is no perfect team out there, but you just look at it and you're like, it's another guy who doesn't really have any holes. And like, there are going to be teams who are, who are going to pick on him on defense, but it's not because he's a bad defender. It's because like, there's nowhere else to go. Similarly, how they picked on Derek white at times. And you're like, that's not a knock on Derek white. It's just like, where where else are you supposed to attack and so they were able to fill some of their needs on offense without significantly undermining the sort of no weak points on on defense um principles that that got them to where they were so right again like we're sort of talking around it you know this is clearly a very good move (laughs) where you gave up nothing solved problems and only cost money and i th- we can talk about more but you know i've seen some people are like why aren't so they're still going to use the tpe what's no. coming for the tpe this and that no. and it's like that's not this was the tpe this is the, the tpe this is better than probably that, anyone you would have gotten on the, that tpe list the trade you were looking for is this one if he made 17.1 million dollars we all would have put him on our list of tpe targets and if they used the tpe to get him at that price we'd have been like perfect exactly who they got the only difference is that he made enough money where instead of trading for him and then having to move Tice afterwards, they just included Tice in the trade and got it done that way. Like this is, this is the move we were talking about and looking for and saying that they needed, they found it, they made it great job. (laughs) You know, that's exactly what had to happen. Um, So, you know, it's just a really good, and it like it kind of came out of left field. It actually we were so people are listening. Like we were texting back and forth, and you said, "Okay, we were trying to schedule this." And I was like, "Oh, I might have some some bad things to say because literally when we were texting was in between when Herder's trade got announced to Sacramento, 
and this trade got announced and I was like, man, that's all it took to get Herter. And we've got Gallinari and like, we have these knees. And I was like, this isn't exactly what I was hoping for. And then like two minutes later, the Brogdon trade comes down two minutes after that, you get the details from it and you're like, Oh, well, that's definitely better. <laughs> like, well, that's perfect. Like, good. They figured it out. That's exactly what we needed. I don't have bad things to say now. <laughs> so that's, yeah. It, turns it's wild. it is absolutely wild. And that, and, they, and then that's, you look at what the, the Hawks gave up for Herter and what the Celtics gave up for Brogdon. And I think given the choice of Brogdon or Herter, you probably take Brogdon. Um, or even if you don't, like, if again, you don't, it's still like the, the price. There's just so yeah. many factors, like for them to, to put it all together like this. And like you, you mentioned, just take care of so many parts of the equation that would have had to get done anyway. and probably would have been more costly all compact into this. It's, it's close to a, close to a dream day from a trade for, for this trade for the Celtics. Um, and now you look at what a crunch time lineup could look for this team now with Tatum, Brown, Brogdon, Gallinari, whoever fifth guy is shooting well that, whether it's Horford or Smart or if they want to go super smaller, it's yeah. with defenses. I mean, we'll, we'll have plenty of time. To talk. We won't, like, I want to get to Gallinari in a second here, but just in terms of the options Ime Adoka has for those late game situations, and spraying the floor out, it's like you, you defenses are just going to have nowhere to hide um, or yeah. nowhere to help off of. No, I mean, one of the points that I made was like, if you take the top seven, so the starting five from last year, and then say White and, and Brogdon, you can take literally any five of those guys. And you, and it, at least in the regular season, you have like a completely viable lineup that you could play. If you think about the worst, it would be like the three guards and the Jays is small, but like that lineup would score a million points and would kill teams in the regular season. Yeah. The three guards and the two bigs, you're like, oh, you don't have a wing, but it's like Brogdon 6'5", smart can guard anybody. Like that lineup would be totally fine in the regular season as well. You've built a way, even though they didn't get like the big wing that I wanted to be able to rest the Jays. When you add in Gallinari, like you've built a team where you can rest those guys because you have so much versatility in other places. And like, yeah, in game seven of a big playoff series, you're not going to be screwing around with those lineups. But in January on the second night of a back-to-back when you're just like, we're going to rest Jalen tonight. And then a week later, we're going to rest Jason. Like you can totally get by with what you have in the regular season. So the, I think Brogdon's size and the fact that he's not just like a, you know, a point guard, he's really more of a combo guard. And with the guys that they have, they, they really can do some very interesting things. And, and once you get beyond those seven, it's like Gallinari and Grant Williams, you can't put into every single spot on every single lineup, but you take any of those first seven guys, pick any four of them and then take one of those two. And like, you still have a completely viable lineup. Like, you know, obviously you wouldn't want to play Rob and Al and Grant and whatever, but you know what I mean? Like there's so many lineups that you can build out of that, that you can put on the floor and be like, that's totally fine. Where we're not going to have a ton of those times where you're looking and be like, boy, that's an interesting group that Ime is playing right now. You can put all these guys out there and be like, everything works. Totally works. That makes sense. All these guys can play together. It's fine. And that's just really, really rare. Poor Payne Pritchard. Yeah, I know. That's the it's, one guy today who's probably punching the wall, being like, he, "We'll see I, if he gets to the to, to the opening season. I mean, if they have another move in them at all, then it would make sense that they would potentially. I mean, we don't have to talk about that. Like, if it happens, it happens. But yeah, that's the one where you're like, they probably have one extra guard, and again, if there's any sort of wing out there who makes, you know, in four or five million dollars or something, and they have any ability to add any more money, it might make sense to like, you know, move that around. But yeah, he's the only player on the on the roster right now, which isn't you know we've talked about all the guys who are on it. The roster is only like eleven players right now, um, who is is probably 
uh, in a tough spot now. Yeah. And I mean, we'll see, maybe they're going to be resting enough guys over the first couple of the season where it's like, okay, Peyton, no, this is tough, but you're going to be playing, you know, every other night, regardless. So we're just going to find and 10 minutes for hurt. you guys will get hurt. I mean, it's like, hurt. Yeah, like, gets hurt. like guys right. will get hurt. but like to your point, if they, if they do find something that makes sense for a wing, um, that's clearly a move that will be looked at um, as they continue tweaking here. And obviously, you know, talking people like they're, they're clearly still looking, they, they signed Luke Cornett today as well, but they're clearly still looking for another veteran minimum big. Um, the, the guys on the market are not overly inspiring right now. So I don't expect them to jump on anyone quickly. And um, maybe it might be a young guy, it might be someone. Thomas Bryant the, sign? I know that's not that I've Lakers seen or Celtics. Yeah. Lakers or Celtics, right? I've, I mean, whatever. I've heard, I've heard that the, uh, you know, the, the interest there might be uh, not as strong matter. as it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I but mean, like, he's not like, there's nothing special about him. It's yeah, just exactly. like, he's, he's just, he's going to be, he's just right. another guy. There's, he's another guy, 20 other and guys, exactly. some of them not even in the league who are functionally the same. Quality. Right. It's so someone, whoever they like the most in that spot will get, signed or, or obviously someone has to take that role knowing that you're going to be you know pretty much injury insurance in that spot in this rotation but hey this is uh it, it's a pretty good spot for them all right let's uh wrap up with a few minutes on galinari and then we have to talk about durant for a couple minutes too so you, you pick where do you want to go well i mean we should go to galinari first because it's the selfish <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I talked enough about you want to you want to what are your thoughts yeah i mean one? to me it's it's given now that he's pretty much the eighth man on this team. Um, I don't, I don't mind it at all. I just don't think that you could do much better with the money you had to work with. I like the fact that he is going to be able to hit a three from anywhere on the floor. Um, I worry about him defensively a lot, but I think you're probably going to have not going to have to play him in any situation where he's going to be a huge liability on that front. And so as long as you can keep him healthy, which has been an issue throughout his career. And as long as you can keep him, you know, from vulnerable matchups as much as you can. in when you face the best of the best, but the thing that excites me, Ryan, with him is I feel like he has a pretty good postseason track record. Like I look at a lot of these guys now, whether it's Brogdon or Galnar, it's like, okay, the, the regular season numbers are nice, but can you like be counted on to produce offense in the postseason? And particularly Gallinari a couple of years ago against the Sixers when the East, when the Hawks went to the East finals, I feel like he was front and center for a lot of the big shots in that run. And so for him to be a supporting cast member for, for this team, I think is, is good as long as he has something left in the tank. Yeah. I mean, he's an imperfect fit and an imperfect player at this time. Um, but there, you don't get perfect players for the taxpayer MLE, right? Like right. you're, you're picking from, from a pool of players who are all going to have limitations. Um, and so you could go and look and say, you know, look at the other players who have signed for that or, or about that. And you could say, Oh, I would prefer this guy. I prefer that guy. But like, you're not going to get the exact right player and the player that they got, his problem is, is functionally that he's a couple of years older than you would like. Right. Um, but yeah, exactly to your point, like there's, there's a, also a benefit to being a veteran who's sort of been around, particularly in that role where, similar to what I said with Brogdon, like teams are going to cover him if the ball goes to him in the corner and he's not even open, but sort of open in, in a big spot. Like he's not going to be afraid to take the shot and you're not going to be throwing the remote at the TV when he does take that shot. Uh, and that's kind of enough, uh, to be honest, with when you get to the 
for the postseason. In the regular season, I think he'll provide a decent amount of value. Um, he's going to probably, you know, get solid minutes, particularly because, again, as I've been harping on, like they need to play Jason fewer minutes. And so you need to find other offensive threats. Uh, Gallinari in his prime, I think, was probably an underrated player, uh, particularly, you know, from very low turnovers. He was a really, really exceptional isolation scorer, which isn't the most beautiful thing in the world, but like low turnovers, really high free throw rate at times in his career, good shooter, versatile player, like a really difficult matchup throughout a long part of his career. And, and sometimes those players, as they age, don't age particularly gracefully um, because they still want to want to do those things. But he has, I think, sort of done done it the right way and aged into like these are the skills that I can still use that are still valuable and and productive and and efficient um and so I'm, I'm completely you know expecting that to continue and that yeah he's going to be a player who we don't just sort of throw the ball to and have him try to go to work even in the regular season and that he's going to be used in, a, in an intelligent way I think there's other things that you can do with him as the league moves in a certain direction he can play center in the regular season at, at certain times which is part of why it's like, who do you really care who that additional, that last center is? Cause like, yeah. yeah, Grant, they've been hesitant to play Grant there after the struggles in his second year when they tried to play him there and it sort of changed the way he played and, and caused problems. Um, but there's like a lot of times where you could put Gallinari in the sort of the Al Horford spot, having him guard the more traditional center with like Rob Williams <laughs> roving behind erasing shots. And like, he would be, again, against a lot of teams in the regular season, like totally fine playing in that, in that role on the defensive end and then being able to be the pick and pop threat that a better pick and pop threat than, than what Al is. Although in the playoffs, Al was unbelievable doing that, but you know um, he's a better shooter than Al Horford. And like, if you can play him at the five at certain times, then that's also going to juice your offense and, and make things easier on, on some other guys. So again, like he's not a perfect player. I agree that defensively you're, you're not going to, I don't, I, played in the finals. So like maybe he can play. Yeah. That level. I don't really know. Right. Like sometimes you just get in the right matchup in the right, the right system. And then like guys can do more than you expect them to. And when you put them on the floor for a couple minutes, but like, I don't expect him to be playing heavy minutes in a big playoff uh, situation, but like you got to get there first and you got to survive this long season in a lot of minutes. And I think from that standpoint, he's a perfectly fine player to be signing in that. Like I had said actually the night before they signed him, like, I would hope this is a one-year contract. I hope it doesn't end up being two years with, you know, for the full, tax MLE with a player option on the end. And like, yeah, I would still wish that they didn't give him a player option. Um, but like, again, like when you're going for the finals, that, that bothered me a lot more when they did it a few years ago for like Cantor and that ended up costing them sure. because they weren't in that, in that position right now. It's like, literally like if he PJ Tucker's or not PJ Tucker, if he PJ Brown's one shot in the playoffs, that's like, Oh my God, he made the big shot when we needed him. And then you go on to win the title. Nothing else matters right? Like none of this other, oh, well, he's got a player option for next year. Like who, you know, you're not in a position to, to quibble about those things at, at this point, thankfully. Um, and, and I have enough faith in him in, in those moments to think that, you know, that, that it's a good signing. Now he, he is older. You've got anybody can get injured. There can be things like that. He could fall off a cliff and we couldn't expect it. But like, if, if he gives the same as what he was able to give Atlanta last year, I think you're basically fine with what they paid to get him. Yeah, it's when you look at the guys who went for this type of money, I mean, Otto Porter Jr., Kyle Anderson, these guys would have been nice, but they got more than the they tax payment. They went for more. Yeah. The Celtics were outbid for those guys. So who could they have got? Like, like Alani Walker went for the tax pyramid level, but he, the role, the opportunity was obviously not here. And 
when you when you go down the list, the the anyone you wanted to, the Celtics to get in theory probably got a little bit more than Gallinari did. So we there's still guys left to sign. You're but it's gonna always gonna be kind of a, an imperfect player in this role given what the price tag was. But now with especially in conjunction with the Brockton move, you're dealing with on the bench where he's probably you know the third or fourth best player coming off your bench now, which is you know, as good as a eighth or ninth minute you can find in the league, essentially. Yeah, it makes a little bit of interest in like what's going to happen with Grant Williams and his extension, sure. and how many minutes will he play? And there's some stuff in there. But again, like those are the things that you just can't really be too worried about when it's like we were like, a, you know, five minutes away from three one up in the finals. Like I can't, I can't be too concerned about how this is going to make complicate the extension talks with a seventh or eighth guy. Right. Like you just, it's not where you are as a franchise where you can, where you're worrying about those things. Um, it's just like, we need to add talent and we need to add talent that does these certain things and that can play in these certain situations. And they were able to do it. Um, and again, like maybe he's not the perfect player at this point in his career, but I, you know, that doesn't mean that he's not the right player for this time for, for what they have available. All right. One minute left. Kevin Durant. I'm just saying Kevin Durant. I'm no. letting you respond to it. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Like he's Kevin Durant. We've been talking about, we've been texting back and forth. I've been texting with other people about it. Everybody's been texting about it all around the league. Like I don't want to. This does this not take them out of the Kevin, the Kevin Durant running. This does not take this. No, out I mean, of anything to get Kevin Durant is going to involve Jalen Brown. We all understand that it's going to be Jalen Brown and Derek white or Jalen Brown, whatever. Like they, could they make an offer that would be competitive? Yes. They throw in all their picks, blah, 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 blah. Uh, they don't seem to have any indication that that's going to happen. Uh, but like the bigger thing is that if he's forcing his way out of Brooklyn and he's given a list of like where he wants to go and he's willing to force his way out of one team, like why would you trade for him and, and break up this team that can be a title winner right now when it's like he, if he doesn't want to be here, if he gave an indication that he wanted to come to Boston, it becomes a very difficult conversation that you have to have. Like, I don't yeah. No, that, that's, that's the whole conversation with me. Like I'm not having the yeah. conversation with the Celtics unless I get that indication from his team. Yeah. Um, and like, if it comes out that here's, you know, whatever, whoever tweets it out, Shams tweets it out tomorrow. Oh, Kevin Durant's full list of teams that we go to the Celtics run. And it's going to be like a complete nightmare to be like around the internet and all of it. Cause all the conversations <laughs> have to happen. And like, I don't, you know, like I, whenever I get asked about Marcus Smart, Oh, would you trade Marcus Smart for this player? And it's like, well, he's a better player than Marcus Smart, but no, cause I don't want to, cause I'm a fan and I don't want to. And I like Marcus Smart. I like Jalen Brown. And I like that this team just went to the finals and I would like for them to win it around mostly players who they've drafted. And that would be super fun. And like Kevin Durant's amazing, but he's a weird basketball robot with a weird personality who's like off-putting in a lot of ways at this point in his career, because he is like, I don't know. It, he's just a very, it's not a thing that I want to have to deal with after going through the Kyrie Irving experience, even though he's Kevin Durant and he's so much better than Kyrie Irving and he's everything, you know, whatever. Um, so I look at it and I'm like, before the Brogdon signing, before you do all the math on that, you're like, the most interesting thing for me is like, oh, could we jump in there and grab, you know, whatever, uh, <laughs> Seth Curry out of this? Like, you know, it was more no like that kind of thing. Yeah, whatever. Um, because it's just the conversation around, around this team getting Kevin Durant at this time is kind of depressing. It's kind of like trading Isaiah Thomas in the move to get Kyrie. It's kind of like, too many other things that you're like, I just don't want to like do that because I'm like, I'm not the GM of the team. I'm just a fan. And like, I don't want that to be the way that this team goes. Um, so that's where I come down on it. I know any fan can. I mean, I think any, I, think I don't know where most you are fans, I think but... fall. Most fans, I think are in the same spot you are. 
um, from just hearing sentiment from people around the league when I've written about it the last couple of days or, you know, responded. So, but in, until we hear otherwise, this is, I mean, it's going to be, it's not going away. And I don't, I don't expect this to be solved in the next like couple of days. Like I, I, from the sounds of it, the Nets are still kind of working through this and communicating, you know, starting to communicate to teams, you know, what they're even looking for, which is obviously going to be a ton of players and picks, but like, which, how heavily are they leaning in either direction? Like stuff like that um, will come to the forefront and then we'll see if the Celtics are just going to be bystanders feeling pretty good about what they did this last season and saying, okay, if Durant goes West, that's great for us. That's and West. see you later. Send him um, West. Send Kyrie West. I don't, I don't see the, I mean, send Kyrie East. Who cares where Kyrie goes? Well, because I mean, send him to LA, let them all. Yeah. I mean, that's the only realistic trade destination. Like, for him. Yeah. Um, I, I would I don't want KD to end up in Toronto, which is the one that immediately jumped out to me. And I know everybody else is like, oh, it's, you know, it's uh, it's gonna be Scotty Barnes. And I'm like, I don't even know if it would be Scotty Barnes. Like, depending on what they want to do, like could Siakam and OG or something, like, whatever. I don't really want him there because I trust that team and that coach to like. I don't see the way that he gets to Miami, so I'm just like, yeah, just send him to Phoenix and whatever happens with Aiden, he goes somewhere and send Kyrie to LA and just get them all out of my life. Send him to the West. They can all fight with the Warriors and the Nuggets and like whoever comes out of it will face whoever comes out of Boston and, and Milwaukee and like whatever. I just do that. Get them get them out and away from me and I'm I'm totally happy with that. <laughs> well, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that next week. For now. The Celtics have made two monster additions to the bench and um, are pretty much looking as in a good a spot as anyone after uh, day two of free agency. Um, Ryan, make sure you're following him on Twitter at DangerCart. Always a pleasure. Thanks for hopping on to break this all down. And we'll be back next week um, to break down the next chips to fall to respond to whatever next trick that Brad Stevens and this front office have up their sleeve and, um, and see where Duran eventually goes. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening.